0: Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at Baxassist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer.
1: Buckeye Imagination Museum is the destination for whole family fun. Bring all of your kids for imaginative and competitive play. From toddlers to teens, there's something for everyone. Little ones can shop, bank, and go out to eat. And your older ones will enjoy the racing laser tunnel, arcade games, six-person air hockey table, mini golf, and so much more. Grab something from the snack bar and stay all day. Plan your visit to Buckeye Imagination Museum today at BuckeyeImaginationMuseum.org. Halfway between Cleveland and Columbus in downtown Mansfield. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Masseri, here as always with Mike Bunt to talk a little bit about the Miami Dolphins game last week. A few topics we'll probably approach as we kind of go through the show, as well as this big matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals at home in Buffalo. Really looking forward to getting into this one, but we'll be right back with you. Josh Allen,
0: looking deep, going deep.
1: To me, talking about the Bills. What else would you rather
0: be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. A deep down field and it's five, five to right now, I just want to
1: talk about this championship. i would never had a championship-caliber team to talk about.
0: I want to focus some more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw, and it is called in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for the touchdown. Action. Allen. Deep downfield, wide open.
1: Deep downfield, wide open was something we did hear a little bit last week against the Miami Dolphins as Josh Allen uh, had a day shredding cover zero defense to Gabe Davis, to Stephon Diggs, and others. Mike, how are you feeling today off of a playoff victory, survive and advance a tournament fan, as well as an ongoing matchup with the Bengals? How how does that all make you feel today?
0: I'm feeling good. The Bills are in the divisional round for the third consecutive year. There was a 17-year span in my childhood and early adulthood where I didn't even think this was ever a possibility, so I'm feeling good right now. Uh, My heart is finally relaxed after Sunday. I I just got a Fitbit, and uh, it was showing my heartbeat going at 152 beats um, per minute when uh, when it was towards the final drive of the game. So uh, I've learned that uh, that's the reason why I lose weight during Bills games is just the amount of stress and anxiety they give me. But uh, other than that, uh, excited to talk Bills, Bengals, and uh, the the exciting matchups that uh, we're going to break down tonight.
1: There you go, 152 beats per minute. That should be Mike's new uh, handle. Um, yeah, <laughs> That's Mike had it all going on for him at the stadium there on Sunday. Uh, built up another Sunday on the Cincinnati. Uh, I think more rhetorically, kind of more figuratively than literal. Well, I mean, um,
0: we all know the classic Bill Belichick, we're on to Cincinnati. That's why the, the title is here. It doesn't mean we're going to Cincinnati. It's just a reference to the old phrase after the Patriots had that disappointing performance and uh, they said, we're on to Cincinnati. Anytime. Cincinnati is the next opponent. I'm always going to be referring to it as we're on the Cincinnati. And it, it just means the Bengals are next up.
1: Yeah, I understood. Um, so it is, you know, a pickup from the DeMar Hamlin game a few weeks ago. Uh, it's only two weeks and one day since the DeMar Hamlin incident. It feels like longer than that. It really wasn't that long ago. So there's still going to be some raw motion. T. Higgins uh, obviously will be on the field. Um, as well as you know the entire Bills roster, as we know. So it's going to definitely be, will that play a role into any of this? We'll have to see. Lots of Bengals chatter. I want to start with this. Here's what I have in my production notes. A lot of Bengals chatter, Mike, around this Uh Where this game is being played, everyone's talking about the coin flip that Cincinnati may have had to do against the Ravens had they lost. Everyone's talking about the neutral site as obviously the tickets went for sale to here shortly uh, in Atlanta. If the Bills play the Chiefs and they both survive, um, which could happen. And uh, so a lot of Bengals fans thinking that they should have had a coin flip and or neutral site game. What's your reaction to that chatter going around uh, the world today?
0: So my first reaction is that I think Cincinnati fans actually have a legitimate gripe, but there was nothing that the NFL could do about it, which is the unfortunate part. Meaning Cincinnati did have, theoretically at that, that, that time, a chance for the one seed. Had they defeated Buffalo and Kansas City lost to uh, Vegas, Cincinnati mm-hmm. would have been the one. And they were leading 7-3, to three, and they were driving. That said... Once the game is ruled a no, a no contest, there's an unequal amount of games. Now I understand what Bengals fans why they're frustrated. They're looking at the Bills and how they will potentially be playing in a neutral field against Kansas City should the Bills and Chiefs both win this week, and they're saying, "Come on, how are you helping them out?" But then you're making us do a coin flip versus the Ravens for the the wild card round home field, and we don't get anything out of it. And I think what you and I both talked about on the show right after uh, on that Thursday evening was that there was going to be a team or two that got the short end of the draw with this. And unfortunately Cincinnati and their fans were the team that got the bad side of things, but the bills, bills fans can equally be a little upset knowing that they lost a chance on a one seed, a seed that they were actually in control of their own destiny that they didn't need help with. And, I know some people would say, well, just award." Some people were saying reward the win to Cincinnati because they are up seven to three. That was never even a discussion. If we watched the playoff game, if anyone saw the playoff game between the Ravens and Cincinnati this past Sunday, that's exactly why Cincinnati was up nine, nothing in the first quarter early against Baltimore. Next thing you know, the Ravens are leading 10 to nine at halftime. So there was no chance of Cincinnati ever getting rewarded a win. So ultimately in the end, it just fell the way it did. And and like I said, I, I feel for Cincinnati fans, but the bills and Bengals played the same amount of games. And once they ruled it a no contest, there was really nothing else the NFL could do.
1: Yeah. I mean, fairly well said. Um, I agree with most of your points. I don't know how much they got the short end of the stick, like a little bit. Um, I agree with you that there was, I, I agree that the the coin flip was bad. I, that should not have been in there. Um, they should have won the, their division as they did. What if anyways, Regardless of the results, um, and the coin flip wouldn't have been in there. Would have been a little raw to to, to Baltimore because um, then you're just kind of passing down the daisy chain of who is um, uh, most distant, uh, kind of kind of hurt more by the ruling. And the Ravens' argument was, well, if we win, we're going to win twice, and we're going to have the same, you know, we're only going to have the same amount of losses. So the argument is, we
0: we can't, you know, Baltimore can't go ahead and lose that game. I, either, so I think the Ravens' situation is why the Bengals, unfortunately had to face the consequences of this. Because with the Bills and Chiefs, you could say the Bills were better than the Chiefs, and that's it. But with Cincinnati, you had them wanting to be tied with the team above them, but you also had a team below them that had a legitimate gripe. So how do you balance that? How do you balance the – the two things going on at once. And I think that's what made it a difficult decision for the NFL. And like I said, I understand the gripe that they have, especially the the circumstances that led to it. But it was just one of those things. The NFL has never been in that situation. Um, Anyone saying the NFL created rules on the fly. Well, they basically did. This wasn't part of the rule book. This wasn't something that they had written in. I know they had COVID protocols in 2020, but they were never, we said this on our show on that Thursday evening, that the NFL was never going to go based on the COVID protocol standing scenarios. And you and I re- referred a couple times during conversations with the, the other cover one guys, we, we were saying anyone that assumes that they know what the NFL is going to do in this situation is showing their ignorance because no one had a, a damn clue how the NFL was going to rule. And In the end, I think it – I don't want to say it was the most fair way possible because I think the most fair way would have been to finish the game and put everything back a week, but that was not a practical scenario. The NFL was never going to uh, delay things for the rest of the league for a week for this one game, right or wrong. So it just – it kind of just sort of played out this way. I think realistically this probably would have been a matchup – in the second round, regardless, uh, mm-hmm. assuming the Bills didn't come back. So uh, the difference of home field, is that really going to make the difference in who wins or loses this game? I really don't think so. These are both teams that play in cold weather, northern climates. The win, the team that wins this game is going to be the better team, and it's not going to be because it's in Buffalo versus being in Cincinnati.
1: Very true, Mike. What also is interesting here about this game, Um, there's a few, there's a few notes. So just to kind of cap off your point real quickly, um, I don't think that you, so anyone asking for a neutral site and, or, uh, something else, a coin toss or whatever, um, you're really giving the Bengals the game. So you're, you can say seven to three wasn't over, but if you're asking for a different result, you're saying basically that the bills lost that game, um, which is not true. And unfortunately, they did have the same amount of games played. So in any game, same amount of games played, including other teams that weren't affected by this, the rules and the results stayed. The only changes to the rule book were voted on by 25 unbiased owners that really looking at it because if this happens again there's a precedent now Mike. now we kind of do know what might happen if this ever was to happen again hopefully never again maybe for other reasons though like a natural emergency or or weather or floods or i don't know what could be the case where you couldn't reschedule the game i don't really see many um other situations that took like a week eight 17 game with like very dire circumstances and the right decision all the way around but um when it comes to the result, like there's a precedent. So the owners, twenty five of them, voted that this was okay. This was the right way, including the Houston Texans, the you know um, the Detroit Lions, whomever uh, NFC teams. Like this was a fair exchange. The Bills and the Bengals had different records. The Bills were one game above them. Unless you're going to give them a win um, and the Bills a loss, or forfeit different terminology. This was the right ruling when it came to the Bills and the Bengal side of things. When it came to the Bills and the Chiefs side of things, um, that was a ruling that like, hey, the Bills had the tiebreaker and no ability to tie you. So in those two circumstances, we're going to do a not even a coin flip. We're doing a neutral site game. You're still the one. You still get the buy. You still get the buy then Jacksonville. You still get a lot of perks um, that all you traded for was not a road game, a neutral site game. I think they came out okay at the top.
0: And when it came to Yeah, I was just
1: gonna say when it came comes to the Ravens and the the Bengals, they had a beef too, though. We got we could potentially beat you twice and you don't have the ability to lose to the Bills. That's not fair. So the NFL did the same thing. We're gonna still reward you the AFC North. You're gonna still be there. If if you do match up, though, it is going to be in Baltimore. Though if you do win that in Baltimore, then you're still the three seed. You would still go to Buffalo. There would be no real differences. So and that would only be a coin flip. So I don't love it. Um, that's the one thing I wish they took out, but the other rule that, so that then Baltimore would have a beef, but the only other rulings were, I think to me, like legitimately good, Mike, I I just don't have any other way around than saying it
0: was a difficult situation. The only way it really could have been crazier was if a playoff fate was on the line. So situation where you're battling for that final spot, that seven seed and you have the same amount of losses, but you played that one less game. What would the NFL have done in that scenario? Because with the Bills in Kansas City, obviously Kansas City ended up getting the one seed because they didn't make up the game. But if you would have had a scenario where a team would have made or missed the playoffs due to a no contest or a non-played game, then the NFL really would have had a dilemma uh, on their hands. Because luckily for the league, even though this isn't hasn't it's not fair for everyone we knew it was going to be one, uh, some order of one, two, three. If there was a team that would have made or missed the playoffs based on this, that would have created a whole nother controversy um, for this. So ultimately it's going to play out on the field. These two teams, there was a good chance that this was going to be the two, three matchup had Buffalo lost that game. Like you said, can't assume Buffalo would have lost. So it, it played out the way it did. And now it's, Now it's time to see who's going to win this matchup uh, when they take the field on Sunday. Yeah, I mean,
1: Mike, a a big matchup. And really interesting one to get into before we get into this matchup, the results of the Miami game. Real briefly, you know, we don't need to beat at home. We don't need to belabor it. It's a win in advance. I don't care what sport you're playing. I don't care if you win by a deuce in basketball um, or three points in football. It's survive in advance. In a divisional matchup, three times, we have seen the Dolphins scheme up a really good blitz heavy cover zero set that gets burned for 430 yards but also does have some successes in it it stretches up the game most notably in this game between mid to early second to about mid to early third there was an entire quarter plus that the that the Dolphins were scheming great defensively for that stretch of football the beginning they did not I thought middle third end of fourth uh, the Bills are playing you know, pretty much back to doing what they wanted. There was that stretch of football, though, Mike, where the cover zero blitz got to them, including the blitz off the edge by Eric Rowe, a play that we watched on the film room after the game, me, Eric Turner, Anthony Prohaska, and uh, Uber Hansel. We watched that specific play with the dots. Um, and you'd like to see Josh eat it. Um, you'd like to see him look to the other side of the field where the blitzer was coming from. There was no one on that side of the field. You you lob it over there, it could go to Knox or Singletary. You know there wasn't a Dolphin there based on the coverage and the Blitz. Um, I know it's hard to, to, to dissect real quickly, but he was able to look through his other reads to try to find digs on that play. The right move would have been eat it if you can't figure out what's going on and not try to make a play or dump it to the left. And at worst, it falls incomplete. Um, if not, Singletary might still be running on that play. Um, it was a good blitz, good diagnosis. They unfortunately at the snap shifted Gilliam to the other side of the of the field um that create havoc and they called the right blitz at the right time. Good on them, good for Boyer, um, for for calling the right blitz at that time to get take the lead in this football game. But Mike ultimately I still was, that was the first time I felt kind of like, all right, like now we have to really consider grinding this game out. However, the Bills answered eventually quickly with two touchdowns. On their own, A nice Kyer Elam interception followed up by a really good uh, drive themselves uh, to to take the 10 point lead. So, and then the defense had maybe one of their worst drives of the game um, to, to allow them to get within three. Then everybody buckled down there from there, including a great Devin Singletary run to end the game and to salt away uh, everything that they needed to do. Great three-minute offense at that point. It was like right before the two-minute warning. Um, they did everything that they needed to do there, and that's what we've been waiting to see. We did not want to have to make a decision between going for it, punting, kicking a field goal is questionable. Like you're, It's just a decision we didn't want to be in there. But Singletary and the rest of the offense caps it off with a great run to finish the game. So, Mike, kind of in review, what's your takeaway from a battled – third game against the Dolphins one where they were playing a bunch of offensive backups, not defensively. They're fairly full strength on defense. Let's get that straight. Um, What is your takeaway from that briefly?
0: My takeaway is that outside of the three turnovers, the bills had, they dominated this game. It was their own mistakes that kind of kept Miami in the contest and had Buffalo just played a cleaner game overall. We wouldn't even be worried right now Uh, Going forward, we'd be talking about a dominating 25, 30-point victory. You talk about, first of all, before you get to the turnovers, uh, Dawson Knox drop in the end zone, a Khalil Shakir drop, which then you end up punting later on. Josh's fumble, Josh's two interceptions, they led to 18 points for Miami. The Dolphins only had one drive over 40 yards the entire day. People want to talk about Skylar Thompson putting 31 points up against the Bills defense. That's just not true. The Dolphins settled for three field goals in the first half, despite tremendous field, field position. So the Bills defense did their job. And unfortunately, the Bills offense gifted Miami some points. Obviously, you can't take points away. But if Josh plays a cleaner game and the special teams doesn't allow that punt return, you're talking about a Miami team that, probably gets around 13 to 17 points in this game. And the Bills, without their drops, get close to 40. In in the end, you're talking about about a 27-point win in that scenario. So Mm -hmm. really, what have we been saying all year regarding the Bills? Most of the time when they lose, it's because of their own mistakes. The biggest uh, opponent for the Bills is themselves. And that's ultimately why fans get frustrated when they sometimes think, of Josh being over-aggressive, right or wrong, because what a lot of their great plays are because of his aggressiveness. So it's one of those things that you struggle to balance at times. But my my takeaway was this. The the Bills' offense, when they were playing smart and methodical and not turning the ball over, Miami had almost no answers for stopping them most of the game. Uh, The first quarter, no answer. Third quarter, Buffalo started moving the ball after – uh, the, the fumble that results in a Miami touchdown. Defensively, they did a good job. They limited Terry Kill, Waddle, and obviously they're going up against a third string quarterback. So it's, it's a little bit different than going up against Tua. But uh, the Bills had a decent game. They just had to not play as sloppy. Uh, obviously, uh, easier said than done. But I think sometimes when the Bills are playing an opponent that, not that they take for granted, but not one of those upper echelon Chiefs, Bengals. Uh, I'll even throw Eagles, 49ers, even though the Bills haven't played them uh, mm-hmm. this year. It's not that their focus isn't there, but sometimes they take more of those chances. And I, I feel like when you watch them play against the Chiefs, you, you see a different version of Josh Allen, a different version of the, this offense. I'm not saying that they're they're not taking chances or they're, they're checking it down, but... You're seeing a, a cleaner style game uh, for the most part so I don't expect to see the offense look that way this upcoming Sunday and one thing that it is important to point out even in spite of the sloppiness the efficiency metrics still thought the bill's offense was tremendous overall and DVOA has an expected outcome stat where they look at the box score of every game that is ended and they basically determine, how many times would you have won that game with those, with those numbers? And they determined that even with the Bills' turnovers, they would have expected Buffalo to win that game 98% of the time Sunday against the Dolphins. So while the reality was the Bills only won by three, the numbers actually tell a different story that say the Bills dominated on the field. It was their own mistakes that let Miami hang around. Interesting you bring up
1: advanced statistics, and that is a good transition to the advanced statistics, DVOA stats of the day. Here on the Going Deep podcast, Bills come in number one by far best defense of the week. Number one, negative 60% result. Um, They were by far the best defense of the day. Number one in both the run defense and in pass defense. Um, So they absolutely dominant. I'm first to mention if I don't think the defense played particularly well. We've seen some lapses last year in the playoffs uh, in the Chiefs game. We've seen it at stretches this year. Nothing that's been overly alarming. The Vikings game's the number one game that sticks out to me as just poor uh, overall defense. And that was really only for a half when Tremaine Adams went out. But outside of that, the Bills' defense has been fantastic this season. Also, uh, best of the weekend. So that's probably what plays into Mike's DVOA statistics, the way the Bills play defense could have been a route, and in 98% of the time. in the way this
0: game went, they still win. And Kevin, Um, if you count playoff DVOA, regular season plus playoff, the Bills just surpassed San Francisco to be number one in DVOA on defense. And I think the one thing about the Bills' defense that is – it's tough for fans to appreciate them because – Defense has changed so much in the NFL over the course of the last 30 years. In the 90s, you had teams like Baltimore where you could hold opponents to 10 points a game and just dominate. You could win with the 20th-ranked offense if you had a defense holding teams to 10, 11, 12 points a game. That does not happen in the modern-day NFL. Even the best defenses in the league allow 16, 17, 18 points per game. And here's an interesting thing. Last year, the Bills were number one in points allowed, uh, yards allowed, and third-down defense. You know how many points they allowed last year? 17 points per game. This year, I believe, uh, I don't know if this was final year, but it was about 17.9, I think, either before or after the Patriots game. So not really that far off. People talk about the pass rush. Even with Von Miller missing the last half of the season, they still ended up close to where they were last year in sacks. The, The thing that's tough when you're watching this Bills defense is that They're obviously losing, missing a couple of their star players. They don't have Von Miller off the edge. They don't have Micah Hyde at safety. And you look at the secondary, Trey White isn't at the same level that we expected, that we were used to seeing him. So when the kids call and they say, hey, dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together. And Skyline's always been part of our family time.
1: There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row.
0: There are times where they allow a big play. There is some poor tackling. Uh, PFF has them as one of the worst tackling teams in the league, and PFF also hammers their uh, the defensive line. But one thing, when you dive deeper, there's a stat. I, I the name of it is, it's off the top of my head right now. But it basically determines how often do you make an impact play, and that's a sack, a forced fumble, uh, a pass Toxic play, a interception, and what was that? Toxic I think it's a havoc number. And it determined uh, per snap. The Bills were in the number one defense in the NFL with making a havoc play per snap. So part of the reason why you see these big plays allowed by the Bills once in a while is because they are an aggressive defense. They make tackles for losses in the backfield. And and, and it's funny because obviously their pressure rate has gone down since Von Miller went out from about 33.5% to around 25%, which is the difference between third and third and 27th in the league. But what is 9% over the course of a game? Five, six snaps? The Bills are still making plays. They are still having their linebackers all over the field. And and if I'm going to bring this up, if they're not getting the dominant play from Von Miller, if they're not getting the dominant play from Trey White, and if Micah Hyde is out of the lineup, then how are they still the number one metric defense in the NFL if you count the playoffs? and top four in the regular season. It's because they are a complete unit. Against 90% of the NFL teams, they can contain them, and they try to make those big plays because they're not afraid of allowing a big player to because they know they have an offense that can score points and put teams away that way. The danger comes when you're playing the Kansas City or the Cincinnati or the, the Philadelphia where you really don't know if you can contain them. So this is where it's going to be tough this week. Do the Bills have the answers on defense to take advantage of a Bengals offensive line? Do they have the answers on defense to contain the Bengals trio of star wide receivers? I don't know. I know the Bills can stop 90% of teams, but can they do it against the best of the best?
1: It's a great question. Um, So bringing up the clutch gene, is that part of where it would be more effective in the fourth quarter like we saw against Patrick Mahomes? Uh, even even in the Jets game where uh, Von Miller basically tried to win the game back for the Bills and the one loss earlier this year um, rather than in the first quarter. So it is something that you have to think about at some point. Like, yes, it, it can be uh, negligible, but that 9% could be the 9% they were missing year over year from the playoff game. We will talk about that game. doesn't even get to 13 seconds, maybe with that 9%. Can we
0: talk about that 9% too? Sure. A lot of it also comes down to what players you have on your line as a result. So you take Von Miller off the field, who is going to end up getting a much higher percentage of snaps as a result of that? Craig Rousseau, Jack, Jack Lawson. Yeah. Jack Lawson is not a dominant pass rusher, but he's a good player. He's good against the run. Mm-hmm. He, he he keeps in his gaps, his lanes, and he knows how to play quality football. But they have a different caliber of replacement. So when people are like, well, 9% lower pass rush uh, conversion rate, uh, now they suck. No, they do not suck. Daquan mm-hmm. Jones is still premier inside defensive lineman. Ed Oliver is still an above average defensive lineman. Even the guys on the outside, Greg Rousseau, he had press, uh, pressure rates that were similar to, to Von Miller at times. So Greg Rousseau is a good player. Where the drop-off is, is A.J. Epineza and Boogie Basham aren't going to be getting to the quarterback at the same level as Von Miller. But they still have guys that can play quality football. Are they going to take advantage of this beat-up Bengals offensive line? We'll see. But I'm tired of the narrative that they just they suck on their D-line. No, they don't. There's a reason why the Bills, according to the metrics, are decent stopping the run. They have guys inside. Their linebackers are one of the best duos in the league. Are we just going to assume that Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds just had career seasons based on luck? Because if you're telling me the D-line sucks, there's no way that Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds would have two of their best seasons of their career. Matt Milano being an all, a first-team All-Pro, and Tremaine was, was fantastic this year. That's because the D-line in front of them is doing their job. So – Long-winded here, but I am and I know it's a little bit of a rant, but I'm a little bit tired of the just the the crap this Bills defense is getting from everybody. Metrically, they, they've had a great year and people are acting like they have no answers for Joe Burrow. I don't know if they do, I don't know if they don't, but what I do know is based on scheme coaching players, they have as good of a shot as anybody. And if people are freaking out over nine minutes on Monday night football, They need to relax because Burrow has done that against a lot of teams. They were up 22, nothing against the Patriots. New England had a shot at the end. They're up nine, nothing on the Ravens. The Ravens had a shot in the end. And even if they go up 10, nothing on the bills on the first quarter on Monday on Sunday, does not mean that game is over either.
1: Appreciate the super chat. Uh, Much to this point, the Ravens stopped the Bengals allowed 17 points. How do the Ravens D stack up against the bills? Well, Glad you ask. We've kind of gone through the DVOA just a little bit here briefly, um, but as of the results from this weekend, playoff-wise, those came in one, Baltimore came in fifth um, for the best DVOA defense of the week, um, and the Bills absolutely dominating in both forms of uh, run defense and pass defense. But if you include regular season and the playoffs uh, for their DVOA factor, as Mike just kind of alluded to, uh, that DVOA comes in first, in the NFL, factoring in the uh, 18th game with 17th of the Bills uh, game of the year, uh, minus 13.9% DVUA factor. That is the result that they've to date, it's not a predictive stat. However, every defensive play to date averaged up has a negative 14% compared to the average football play. So, um, very good. Now, compare that to Cincinnati, um, who's Negative 5.4%, a fairly decent result, uh, but one-third of the the results that the Bills have had. And then Baltimore, who had a much, um, I guess, pretty interesting season for their normally top-five defense. They slipped a little bit at times, but they're a little bit better than the Bengals, but not even close to the Bills. Negative 7.6, a negative is good defensively. Half of the results of the Bills entire, in, in totality of their season. So they match up well. Past DVOA four for the Bills run defense three for the bills. Um, Neither are good for the Ravens 11 and seven. still pretty good, but not uh, to the level that the bills are only really San Francisco. And now Dallas uh, can kind of come in there with similar type of numbers. New England actually finished fairly well in DVOA as well, based on their results. But um, ultimately on paper, advanced statistics, a lot of different ratios and rates show the bills as being superior to Baltimore's this season, uh, as well as Cincinnati's as well. So, it fared well. Um, so it's interesting to see, will the bills copy a stat that I liked um, in cover to uh, the Ravens played a lot of 75% of roughly that they stopped them to like a 5.9 yards per completion. Um, you know, the bills that are or the Ravens did a really good job. Will the bills mimic that they did early on in the, in the, in the first matchup, they got caught on a few run blitzes and a couple missed safety assignments in the first game as well. Uh, to to lead to a few confusions that do I do believe would have been corrected very really shortly uh, had uh, that game gone on further. So um, the Bills' defense does match up well. The Bengals are without three of their much premier offensive linemen that they went out and to to make their team better. Tony Williams is a draft pick they drafted very high. Dislocated kneecap week to week. Alex Kappa with a bad ankle injury signed from Tampa Bay. A big right guard signing week to week, and obviously Lyle Collins a big another big name uh, acquisition is out for the season uh for himself as well with a bad uh, bad injury. So really only retru- uh, returning Ted Karras, uh an average center from the New England Patriots, uh, Cordell um uh Volson, um he's been okay in stretches, he's the only one that's been on the line for the entirety of the season and then uh Hakim Adeniji is their back in uh fill in tackle, starting right tackle. So there's definitely some bad issues on the that's Bengals a big offensive line.
0: That's a it big is. deal. If they're minus those three guys, that's gonna make a difference in this game. And I saw some Bengals fans online saying, well, the Bill's defensive line isn't good enough to take advantage of it. We'll see. You never really know when it's backups on an O line mm-hmm. going up against another team. Are you gonna see them step up to the occasion? Or are they gonna get exploited? One thing I will tell you is this there, there's some interesting, very interesting things when you're talking about the Bengals in their offense. The first eight weeks of the year, Joe Burrow was amongst the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. Well, the Bengals got off to a poor start in those eight weeks. The last eight weeks on fire, one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. The Bengals have had offensive line continuity the whole season for about like the first 14 weeks of the year before Collins went out at right tackle. Now you're talking about an offensive line that might only have two of their starters taking up five spots. Now, why does that make a difference? Well, first of all, Burrow, he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. He can elude uh, guys in the backfield. But when Burrow has time, it's going to be almost impossible for any defense to slow down their three-headed monster of Chase, Mm -hmm. Higgins, and Boyd. They are too good. They are all elite. And the Bills, frankly, it's a matchup nightmare to, to contain those three guys. But if you can generate pressure and force him to get the ball out quicker that makes things much more difficult and makes things easier easier on your secondary. So if the Bills are able to get some timely pressure, get uh, get to Burrow, make him make a couple poor decisions or quick throws, that might be the the difference of the game, getting an interception or getting a forced fumble or uh, unto- uh, not picking up a, a third down. And I, I, I expect Cincinnati to still get there. So I, I don't think that Buffalo's going to – suddenly hold Cincinnati to, like, 13 points. But it could be the difference in those one to two plays that decide this game. And one thing with with Cincinnati, too, I, I, like I alluded earlier, their team that jumped has jumped out to fast starts in a lot of these games. The Bills, on the other hand, are a team that typically gets off to slow starts. The Bills DVOA in the, the first quarter of games is in the bottom seven of the NFL. But then the second, third, fourth quarters, they're in the top six DVOA each quarter, the Bills make adjustments. It's almost like they want to see how you're going to attack them first, and then they figure out this is what we're going to do against you. So we've seen it against the Bears this year. They jump out to a quick touchdown. We've seen it in in a couple games um, of recent times where their opponents are are moving the ball early on against the Bills. But what are you seeing in the third quarter? What are you seeing in the fourth quarter? Normally the Bills finding a way to to get a win. And one narrative I, I do find kind of, Uh, laughable at this point is that everyone talks about how Cincinnati is the hottest team in football. When was the last time the bills lost a game, Kevin Minnesota talking early November in the first game after Josh Allen injured his elbow, the bills have found a way to win all these close games, battle adversity. It's, it's like, it's so incredible that a lot of bills fans are actually down on this team because this is the best the bills have been through 17 games. Uh, Obviously, 2020, they were at the same point, but this is an incredible season. We need to appreciate the greatness that we're going to see. It doesn't mean the Bills are going to win, but it, it almost feels like some Bills fans are doubting this team. There is no reasons to doubt this team against anybody. In fact, Vegas has the Bills as five-point favorites. ESPN's FPI has the Bills with a 65% chance of winning this game. The, the Bills are as good as anybody. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm not saying they're going to win, but... It is kind of baffling how the media, how the narrative is kind of turning that the Bengals are the better team.
1: Yeah, I mean, so if you continue to like we looked at the DVOA defensively, let's dive into it a little bit offensively. The Bills finished the day with the number one ranked offense in the NFL playoffs. So uh, pretty interesting. So now we're seeing one, one on run defense. One on um, pass defense, one on rush offense. Um, eventually, Mike, all leads to the 98% of the Bills winning in that situation. And that's including the turnovers the Bills had. The Bills still win 98% of the time per DVOA. So that's what's interesting. The Bills played the number one in every facet of, of football um, this weekend. And we're still sitting here talking about a negative outcome. Now, pass offense would be the one downfall that they had. Them, they finish 11th of 12, probably due to the interceptions and some negative toxic plays and seven sacks will play a role into that. Um, number 12, Miami finished lower than them. So something was going on at the stadium too, where you had Hill, you had Waddle, you had Jeff Wilson dropping passes. Uh, you just, hey, Dawson Knox technically dropped it and it did hit the ground. Didn't have a good angle on it. I still don't know how you can overturn that. The 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 digs bobble barely. We had both feet down, but there was the bobble in between feet. A lot of the times that bobble won't happen and that would be a touchdown. Um, So, and then the Khalil Shakir, great play. That ball doesn't hit the ground nearly every time either on that bomb. That was like a 14 point swing between that incompletion to punt to return uh, and the result of that play. So ultimately, very the Bills still won. So these aren't even excuses a lot of things could have gone differently to make this a blowout if if that's your cup of tea uh, in in the wildcard weekend. Luckily, those things didn't go their way, and the Bills still win the game. That's what you want to see because I've said this on Spaces, I've said this on other shows, I've said this on uh, Cover One Film Room when we did a post game show. The Bills lose this game sometimes. They they historically have faltered in situations where not everything goes their way or, or most things. Week barely anything went their way. What's that? Week
0: three, three at Miami.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was literally similar, same results, same yardage difference, discrepancy in issues. The Bills actually pulled this one out, though. So, Mike, that's what's the big difference here between what we've seen in the past and maybe the Jacksonville game and maybe the Week Three Dolphins game and the Wild Card round, where they were able to fight through some of those things that weren't bouncing the way. And then, really, until the push at the end by the Singletary run and the decent spot they got, couldn't tell if he got it. I thought he did, but it wasn't. It wasn't very clear everything was
0: short at the stadium my my view I thought he was short but he
1: looked short at the stadium the line was wrong on the screen he did get a final push and we don't know where the ball arm was in and maybe the ref did have the best angle at that final run and it was super duper close to where like you put it in Josh Allen's hands for a quick QB sneak there's no other uh, there's no other option there with the game in this season I guess on the line um at that stage so that's how that would have gone anyways but ultimately, they played interesting football, but statistically in a lot of ways they played really good and then faltered a little bit in the pass game, which is funny that the rest of the facet of the Bills roster was premier, was A1, was number one, uh, but between a few lapses against a really good Miami defense who finished the week third in defense. Uh, so there's definitely some challenges there. Cincinnati didn't play the cleanest game themselves. Let's transition now. We talked a lot about the Dolphins game. Cincinnati finished fifth DVOA on offense, sixth in the pass. They didn't have the greatest at either throwing the ball. Fourth in the run. No team really ran particularly well this weekend. If they said the Bills ran ran well, I think that singletary run helped. A couple other James Cook run helped earlier in the game. Uh, but a lot of bad running football teams. Cincinnati was three percent, which is pretty low, and finished the week uh fourth in rush DVOA. So There's not a lot of good running teams per, per results. The bills, the giants um, were the two best running teams by far this weekend uh, and left in the, in, in, in the playoff bracket. So that's, what's pretty interesting about all of this, uh, all this commotion. So will the bills get the run game going? We'll have to see this weekend, Mike, but some really interesting all around results from, from this. And as we've said a couple of times now, a lot of stats in the bills favor, and it's amazing that they didn't get any of the bounces, including fumble bounces, including um, situations where that ball could have bounced anywhere on the Josh Allen fumble. Of course it bounces perfectly down the field for a scoop and score. So, um, and then, you know, equally. So none of that super luck beside really good defensive place by Dean Marlowe, who said he was in the wrong coverage and uh really good cover to read by Kyler Elam late in that game as well, filling in for Dane Jackson, which he should be the day one starter in Cincinnati, Mike. So, Transitioning to Cincinnati, what are your thoughts reading and dissecting the way Cincinnati played, the way the Bills played, knowing they're number one uh, in three of the four DVOA categories this weekend? What's your takeaway going into this game?
0: My takeaway going into this game, and I kind of already alluded to it, is that the game is going to be won and lost based on can the Bills take advantage of that Bengals hurt offensive line? I know we don't really love pro football focus. Uh, mm-hmm. with their grades. But it is really interesting when you look at the Bengals' grades for the season, uh, offensive line-wise. Um, their pass blocking is 31st in the league, and their run blocking is considered 24th. For, for perspective, the Bills' run blocking is 28th, and the Bills' pass blocking is considered 20th. We consider the Bills' offensive line garbage. Uh, not garbage. Uh, that's way too strong of a word. But our fan base is very critical of the Bills' offensive line. Uh, Obviously, I think Dan Dawkins and Mitch Morse are quality, but they've had struggles with both guards and obviously Spencer Brown at right tackle. Those pro football focus grades say that the Bengals offensive line isn't that much better and they might have three backups playing. So to me, that is an opportunity to try to take advantage of the Bengals And regardless of what people think about the Bills defensive line. That's a matchup that's there for them to make some plays and that really could make the difference in this game because, as you said, we we look at the Bengals as this high-flying offense that makes all the right decisions. But the Bills and Bengals offenses, on a metric level, are essentially equals. They just go about it differently with how they do things. And even the Bills' rushing attack, people like to say the Bills can't run the ball. DVOA has the Bills as the eleventh best rush offense in the NFL. And if you go from a running perspective from pro football focus, they have a 91.6. That's tied with the Cleveland Browns for the highest PFF run offense in the NFL. So will the bills be able to limit the Bengals? So the Bengals, even with their poor offensive line DVOA has them as the fourth best running offense with Mixon. Can you limit him? Can you find a way to rush burrow on his throws, make him go short Take basically stop them from going over the top. Can you make a difference? Because the first game, for two series, the Bills had no answers. They had nothing. All they were missing at that time was their right tackle. Now they're missing quite a bit. So will the Bills have answers for that? I think that is the matchup that will determine who wins or loses this game. And then looking at the Bengals' defense overall, their quality. They're, they're a top 12 unit. They're a good team. But – there's really no reason to say the Bills shouldn't be able to move the ball against them and get their own points. The Bills should be able to score on Sunday. The question is, do they have enough to stop Cincinnati? And how are the teams going to attack each other? That's going to be another interesting question. Um, I really – I could see this game going either way. I, 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 like, I like the Bills' chances of making a few plays with their, their defensive line, but I don't take anything for granted – Joe Burrow is, to me, I you hear a lot of people call him Tom Brady. Whether you call him Brady or Manning, whatever, he he, he has that it factor. He always, he dissects defenses with his eyes. He knows where he's going with the ball when he takes the snap, and he has the accuracy to place it where it needs to be. So you better bring your A game if you're going to stop him. And it, it's going to be really interesting, Kev, because I, I'm not going to lie, I do have some nightmares still from that. Uh, from the first two series the Bengals had against the Bills defense. But I keep telling myself, Taron Johnson is back and he's going to be healthy. Kyrie Elam had a chance to step up against the Dolphins. They just went up against Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and held them in check. I don't care if it's a third string quarterback. They held them in check. Is it possible that our guys are starting to gel at the right time? I don't know. I'm hoping, but... Oh God! The anxiety Trey, level. Trey White showed
1: up in New England and in against um, Are, Miami what, for his best Trey game to be we
0: That is yeah. a huge question. Because, and last thing, because I, I I know I'm rambling right now. The Bills. Yes. The world's got you feeling glazed over. Sprinkle some love all around. Just climb your way up out of that hole, and you'll mm. be the taste of the town. Grab the one thing that everyone's loving And as it happens, they come by the dozen Everybody loves a donut Order a dozen from Duncan.
1: Buckeye Health Plan Medicaid is built around you Offering medical, dental, and vision benefits with no copay Members get free rides to healthcare visits, pharmacies, and social services Buckeye rewards you from making healthy choices you can earn $75 in rewards for well checks. Pregnant moms can earn up to $350 in rewards for taking steps to have a healthy baby. Visit choosebuckeye.com for Medicaid built around you.
0: The Bills defense got it done on Sunday because the secondary played elite football. If the secondary plays like that against Cincinnati, it's going to be tough for the Bengals.
1: Right. And to your point, an elite Trey White is back. He's made some plays between getting him back to full strength against New England, one of his best games of the season, including uh, an entire season. Actually, he played really well against New England. And then this week as well, uh, locking up, making some really good recovery. Uh, I think it's just completely different right now with Trey White, Kyler Elam stepping in and you're right um, uh, with Taron Johnson going out with a concussion injury being a key part of the Bills zone defense and in certain man packages and in tackle and against the run as basically a third linebacker slash nickel corner slash man to man corner in certain situations, that wasn't going to be great. Be, the bills being out two of their starting five defensive backs uh, going forward in that game. Uh, they, were now, in
0: they were in trouble Monday night, but different story. This
1: completely Sunday. different story though. Like we said, Trey white's back. Kyrie Elam's now in most likely Taryn Johnson's back. Marlow's had a few weeks to get acclimated and has been fine um you know so far Poyer's you know getting back and, and still kind of rehabbing his injuries but is is in there so really and Micah Hyde on the fold maybe for the AFC championship game maybe for the Super Bowl maybe that's why they're being coy that no one's going to say he's going to play in the Super Bowl because that's just weird to say um so I think that McDermott said you know we'll let you know and we know kind of thing um uh, on Micah Hyde. you know when I when I he could get tapped, or he used some 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 theory, um, which means leads me to believe that it's in a future round, and the Bills don't really want to say when we make the AFC Championship game. Uh, Micah Hyde's going to play, but all in all, the secondary is in good shape. The linebackers are still coming off of some of their best play of their entire career together. In Matt Milano's two sacks, Tremaine Edmonds was everywhere with four pass deflections. What a great asset and pass. Um, so it's it's a pretty good offensive or uh, defensive line too. It's not with Von Miller. We know we talked about that earlier in the show with the 9%. However, it is better than last year with a developed Greg Russo, a better AJ Epinesa boogie bash. I'm coming into his own with, with multiple sacks last week. Um, so there is a lot of good things on so that at Oliver always seems to have big games at certain times. Um, and Shaq Lawson is certainly a pretty big part of the defense, even though he's not the largest sack number guy in the world. So there's still a lot to really like about what the bills defense is going to be able to do against a backup Mm -hmm. offensive line. They're going to have to get the ball out quick. The bills are the best team in the league at getting pressure quickly. So when the bills get pressure, it's quick. Uh, That's what's interesting. So teams have to get the ball out leading to good results. They aren't the number one team in sacks. They aren't the number one team in pressure rates, but they are one of the number one teams in creating havoc quickly. Uh, and That will come into handy where Burrow's not going to have the down the field throws. He's not going to start the game off with a pass interference on a questionable call uh, early on against Jamar Chase. So we'll see the way that this works out uh, for it. And then also on the Hayden Hurst play where uh, Taron Johnson went down and immediately goes Saran Neal. There's big differences in that game, even in nine minutes, Mike. Um, that we're not going to see uh, going forward this week. And it's in Buffalo to kind of cap this all off. I think that there's good results for the Bills. And there was something going on with the sun-wind-cold combo, specifically at the stadium, where some of the best receivers in the league, Waddle Hill, and like we already talked about the Bills plays, were dropping
0: balls. Well, we talk was, about the wind all the time in Buffalo. There's swirling weird. winds inside the stadium. It is. It, it makes a tremendous difference. And if you haven't played in it before – uh, it, it's difficult to, to get used to. So they used to talk about that with the 90s bills all the time, about sometimes it isn't the snow or the cold, it's the wind that really can make a difference uh, in these games. So, And we're still trying to figure out what the weather is going to be this, this Sunday, not that it should make a tremendous difference either way, but one uh, forecaster thought uh, the two projections are either snow or rain. So it's going to be interesting what type of weather we have uh, for the game as well. And if that benefits or hurts either team.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting where the bills have more experience playing. And I'm not the number one fan to be like, it benefits the bills because the bills have a high flying offense at times as well. Um, Both these they, teams are that way. Yeah. So
0: it, it really, I don't know if it would benefit either. Uh, I guess uh, the question would be how would a low scoring game benefit either team one way or another. And I, I really don't have the answer to it because the Bengals just played one of those games and, and found a way to win. Right.
1: So they did and did want to bring up the Bengals rushing statistics 18 for 51 for 2.8 yards a carry and one touchdown a Joe Burrow sneak um that is uh, on what was probably a touchdown on the reception anyways so 2.8 yards per carry is not the same as the running statistics PFF thinks it is especially with their best run blocker and Lyle Collins and Alex Kappa both out uh you know Jonah Williams at times can be a good run blocker he struggles at times but He's out as well. Uh, they had a, they had a 15 week stretch of the same offensive line combo, and have now dropped an offensive lineman every week uh, that they've completed a game. So, uh, lost Alex Kappa, and then they lost obviously Jonah Williams last week in the playoffs. So, um, it's they're now they're now mixing and matching. Are they used to having Akeem Adeniji mixed in there uh, with um, with uh, you know Cordell Volson and you know Jackson Carmen and Max Sharping? It's different. Uh, it starts to affect you when the Bills are playing Greg Van Roten and, um, you know, you know, whomever else that they, you know, if they were down three offensive linemen,
0: you're going like Butker. You're going in a few new players um, at the Bills offensive line yes, I'm going to throw something that you kept, too. We talk about Joe Mixon like he's worlds better than Devin Singletary. He's not. I said this the last time we talked about the Bengals and the Bengals fans were killing me for saying this point. Joe Mixon is a better running back than Devin Singletary. I'm not going to say that Devin Singletary is on his level. Mixon has a higher skill set. He's more explosive. He brings more to the table. But from a purely rushing standpoint this year, because both these offenses can spread it out and they run against light boxes just like the Bills, Mixon had 210 carries for 814 yards and uh, seven touchdowns, 3.9 yards per carry. Obviously, much more uh, dynamic in the receiving game. I'm not gonna debate that. We all know that Singletary is not a strong asset in the pass game, except for some checkdowns here and there. Devin Singletary, though, had 177 carries for 819 yards, 4.7, uh, 4.6 uh, yards per carry. So Singletary had five more yards in 33 less carries. It had two less rushing touchdowns. So I don't want to hear this. The Mixon and the Bengals rush game is just so much better than the Bills rushing game. It's not. Now, Mixon is more of a force in the pass game, but now with James Cook really emerging, the Bills do have kind of that dynamic multi-threat running back that you can use uh, in the run game and the pass game going forward. So it, it's just another thing to bring up when when we talk about both offenses, because all year we've been hearing about how the Bills are just one dimensional and it's just not true anymore. The Bills can run the ball. It it might not be their strong suit. Their offensive line might be weak, but the Bills can run the ball. So uh, I thought that was important. And I just saw a question here, so I just want to pull this up quick. If we do not make the big game this year, do you think McDee makes a change at O coordinator last year? Kevin, I'm going to say, no chance, no chance. Yeah. Um, as much as I've had my issues, uh,
1: with, with Dorsey, absolutely not. It's only another season. They can develop continuity. Who are you going to find? There's a bunch of other teams looking, um, potentially Dorsey would be employed tomorrow, uh, or Monday in this case. Um, so. You'd have to get
0: a head coaching job and that most likely probably won't happen this year. So, um, no, so I'm saying of, if they made a change at all, yeah, if they, yeah, the Bills won't be the one making changes. Well, you you and I talk about this too. There is some debate on some of these plays that go downhill. Is it Dorsey? Is it Allen? I don't think it's always Dorsey the one that that has that's making the mistakes. Allen does choose to go to the some of these guys when there are other options available. So it's about them being on the same page. He is a rookie offensive coordinator. Was it the best year? I wouldn't say it was the best year, but the bills and the metrics were a top two to three offense in the NFL this year. So even with some of his struggles, I I think it's hard to say that you got to make a move. I I, I still have a lot of confidence in, in Dorsey going forward. They do have a natural progression. Once again, of their quarterbacks coach, if something does happen
1: to Dorsey, he takes another job. He gets a head coaching position. Uh, They do have Joe Brady waiting in the wings. Uh, someone who's a lad, Joe Burrow, um, and his, um, uh, and his very great jump that he had at LSU in his championship season with uh, so Jamar Chase. So, um, there's a lot of good potential candidates have they need to move on from there. Frank Reich is just a genius, um, offensive coordinator, at least in my opinion. I was told he's one of the smartest football guys alive and calls a really good football game. Um, I will see where he winds up as well. So, uh, Mike. As we kind of look at this game in totality now, not the VOA, not banged up offensive line. Bills have some injuries too. Will Jordan Phillips play? Is Reggie Gilliam coming out okay? Dane Jackson may or may not be out. Not overly concerned really with Kyrie Elam stepping in and then being able to activate Benford. I don't know how much of a downgrade the combo is, being able to put Benford in the game. And then Kyrie Elam uh, starting. I'm not overly concerned with that. Jordan Phillips, can he play? I've been told his, his joint uh, shoulder joint injury, AC joint has been pretty bad and and hurt him at times. He was kind of kind of carrying it at times during the Miami or the the new England game. So we'll see if he's able to go away to see if we have any news on, on any of those injuries here tomorrow, uh, or if any other injuries popped up for both sides, really, you know, we've seen some, some injuries uh, both ways. We saw, um, Eli Apple out of the game as well, uh, against the Ravens. So that would be a huge, you know, as a lot of, as much criticism as he takes, uh, they're already out, uh, Alouzier, could they handle another cornerback injury there? We'll, 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 have to see how this all looks, uh, tomorrow, but it's been an interesting ride to this point and we're still waiting to see it all come together really since the first two weeks of the season, uh, two non-playoff teams now that we know LA and Tennessee, uh, didn't, Neither had a winning record, neither made the playoffs. Um, And really then that Miami game happened. And then the one score wins started to come after that Miami game happened. Uh, So at some point, this high flying bills offense isn't going to commit this, these type of turnovers in a game. They're going to find and call the right game fully. And with the right decisions, is it Cincinnati? I certainly hope so. I can't say it will be for sure, but they have the ability to dominate a football game. Maybe it's this week. Maybe if they win, it's Kansas city or Jacksonville next week. Um, what is your opinion, Mike on the path? So I want, I, we've talked about this within cover one. Are you somebody that next week wants to take down both the Bengals and then the chiefs and then the Eagles, or are you somebody that says, give me the Bengals. That's a good win. Give me the Jaguars. And then give me the giants or
0: give me Cowboys. the Jaguars and give me the Jaguars. Okay. It's not about beating the cream of the crop. It's about just winning four games and winning the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't care if it was Miami, uh, Jacksonville, then Baltimore, and then you played the New York Giants in the Super Bowl. Uh, give me whatever route wins it all. And nobody's going to talk about how the L.A. Rams didn't have to get past Kansas City last year. They're going to talk about how the Rams won the Super Bowl. I don't even think the Rams were a top five team in football last year, but they won it all. And people will forget that the Bills were probably one of the top two, three teams in all of football last year, and they didn't even get past the, the divisional round. So, in fact, if the Bills don't beat Cincinnati, we're going to have a three-year, three-year stretch where the Bills have been one of the most dominant DVOA teams in football and only one AFC championship appearance to show for it. Hell, the Bills even at the end of their Super Bowl run in their early 90s They went to the Super Bowl the one year where they didn't even win the AFC East. So if you look at Vance metrics from back then, they were an average, slightly above average team during the end of their their run. So all that matters is getting there. And I just want the path that gets them there. So I'm praying that Jacksonville pulls a tremendous upset on Saturday evening. And if so, we know going into Sunday – you win against Cincinnati, you are playing to host the AFC Championship against a team that you're going to be favored by nine points against, ten points against, with a chance to return to the Super Bowl for the first time in nearly three decades. That is the path. And then as far as the Super Bowl, obviously I want somebody like the Giants. Realistically, I think it's going to be either Philadelphia or San Francisco. I think Philadelphia is probably the best team in football right now uh, in the NFC because they have a quality star quarterback, Brock Purdy is doing well, but I think we're hyping him up a little bit too much because he's a seventh round, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, who's having a tremendous amount of success, but I'm a firm believer that you could put almost half the quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the NFL in San Francisco, and that they would also have a high level of success. In fact, put Mac Jones in San Fran he might've been a pro bowler. So I we will see. Um, If you go heavy off of the Vegas odds, they seem to think it's either going to be the Chiefs or the Bills that are going to win it all. The Chiefs have a slight advantage over the Bills because they play Jacksonville, we play Cincinnati. But it's going to be interesting to see if those odds change with Kansas City and potentially Buffalo winning this week. Will Buffalo then become the betting favorite, knowing that the two will Mm -hmm. be on a neutral field and that any advantage referring to the bye or home field is now no longer in play. So the, the numbers for Cincinnati are about 5% lower for, uh, for them than Buffalo. So give me the easiest path. I don't need to see Kansas City again. I have too many nightmares from last year and the year before. I don't need hard wins that are going to stress me out, give me anxiety, and nearly give me a heart attack. I just want it to be easy. I know that's not going to play out that way, but just give me the easiest path, Kev. Long-winded answer.
1: Okay, I take it. Uh, To get into those stats, Mike just got into a little bit. The Chiefs have an 84% chance to win this week, 45% to make the Super Bowl, and 25% to win the Super Bowl, by far the largest in all three accounts. The Bills are second, 64%. The number that's different, though, 20% difference, 64% to make the conference championship, 35% if they get through it to make the Super Bowl, and 20% to win the Super Bowl, uh, number two odds in the NFL per betting and per 538 um, dot com. Also, the Eagles seventy nine percent to make the championship and win the game against the Giants. Forty four percent to make the Super Bowl, only eighteen percent. So both under both the Chiefs and the Bills, as well as the Forty Nine ers. The Bengals rates thirty six percent to win this week, sixteen percent to make the Super Bowl, and only nine percent to win it all. Uh, good for uh the sixth le- uh, least uh, amount of odds compared to the Giants and Jaguars uh, rounding out the bottom of the list. So. Um, a lot of statistical models still put the, the Bengals as the sixth team remaining in the playoff maybe because they have to go to Buffalo to win Joe Mixon and Bengals fans certainly think that they're the oh, team they think they've hard
0: they think they're winning it all they're not even scared of Kansas City because they've already won 3 times in a row they think that they can handle Buffalo because they they took care of us for 9 minutes on Monday night football they're not even worried about the NFC Cincinnati already won the Super Bowl you you got to realize that um, they're just waiting for their rings and uh, eventually their Super Bowl parade. So we'll see. Uh, I will say this, Kev. I was hoping for the Ravens to pull the upset. I, I wanted to play Jacksonville this round because my thought was it's better to play only one of Cincinnati or Kansas City, not both. That's a tough tough challenge if it's back-to-back weeks. But realistically, if, if the Bills were to play, the, with the Bills playing the Bengals this round, I really wish that Jacksonville didn't come back because I really do believe the Chargers have the team that could have taken down Kansas City in the divisional round, and I just can't see Jacksonville really giving Kansas City a huge battle. They put up offense. They
1: have looked good at times. They also beat the Cowboys a little bit early to be in this position. You need Josh so, Allen to get to Mahomes. It's not like how much better are, or worse, I should say, are they than um, than L.A.? I don't know. They might just be better. So I think it's you know we all assume the Chargers could take them down. I don't know if the Chargers could have taken down the Chiefs in this world. I still think the Jaguars. Um,
0: Jaguars beat the Chargers twice this year, right? They they crushed them in the regular season too. Jaguars. So Is it, to say it right, Jaguars, Mike? It's the Jaguar. Jag. What's the proper way to say Jaguars? Oh, I I think wasn't this like a topic one time on a show? Yeah. Is it Jaguar. Or, I I don't know. I'm just going to Jaguars. How I call it Jaguars. I don't care. Yeah, if if I disrespect their fan base, I'm perfectly okay with that. Based on how the the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base has acted towards Bill's Mafia in the past, uh, <laughs> there's something about the water in Florida where Florida fan bases are just crazy people. So, uh, and my parents are in Florida right now, so I can I can back that up. Uh, I love my parents. My dad listens to the podcast, but uh, the water down there is different. So, uh, I hope the Jaguars pull off a miracle on saturday but uh I, I don't see it happening yeah and also
1: ticket prices would be great um uh so we got an update to how to say it it's Jaguar <laughs> with the was jagua Jaguar, uh, um that's really weird that, that jaguar sounds... jaguar um, jaguar jaguar
0: oh, you sound like i think of like the crocodile hunter uh saying that
1: Jaguar. Jaguar. Okay. Whatever. I don't know why I'm really good at enunciation and pronunciation at times, but I don't know
0: why that one just gets me. I used to be a former sports anchor and I have no clue. So, and I, I, I did Colts highlights for two years. So I hope I was calling Jacksonville the right name while, while on TV. Well, I guess I'll never know.
1: Jaguar. I don't know. Jaguar. Um, it's, it's an interest. It is an interesting word. Um, but well, when we play them, I promise you I will. If the Bills play them and they do play them, I will give that. Bills
0: have some bad luck against them in the playoffs, though. You're talking about one of the worst playoff losses in Bills' history outside of, like, the crazy ones where Music City Miracle, the 13 seconds, the Houston one. If you're talking just, like, straight up, Bills are home, they're playing Jacksonville, that was a bad loss in the playoffs. And then, mm-hmm. obviously – the 10 3 Tyrod Taylor game where Nathan Peterman comes in late and throws a INT in the the final offensive drive. So if we were to play Jacksonville, hopefully some of that luck would uh finally give us some good karma uh, going <laughs> yeah. forward. Jaguar. Okay. I can get behind
1: that one. I can get behind if that's appropriate. I, I get behind Jaguar um in 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 pronunciation. So uh there's a lot to look forward to Mike. There's 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 so many matchups galore, but one of my favorite matchups this week is that back to that, that chase versus Trey White matchup. I do think that that's going to, beside that pass interference, I think that that was going to be a really good matchup early on in that game. I thought that that ball went out of bounds, uh, uncatchable. Uh, you could call holding before the throw if you wanted. During the play, it has to be pass interference, which would still make that play an uncatchable situation. I didn't like that flag very much at all uh, in that game. So uh, I do like that matchup, though, all around. I think it's going to be a good one. Taryn Johnson versus Tyler Boyd's another good one. Can Kyrie Elam keep up with? Um, with T. Higgins as well, so there's going to be some good matchups across across it. The Bills also get help from their 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 pass coverage linebackers for deflections from Edmonds, as we've said. He's going to be able to cover Hurst. He's going to be able to take away certain receivers at times in certain zones. So that's going to be an interesting facet to this game. I find it fascinating on that side of the ball only because I do think the Bills have a plus matchup with Eli Apple on the receiving end. I think Gate playoff Gabe is here. We've seen him make these catches now in game in and game out in the playoffs. And I like that matchup a lot for the bills uh, passing game in this one, which in my opinion, doesn't do the one thing that they think would take down Josh Allen and that blitz every play with good and bad results like the Miami dolphins did, which kind of happens to be, even though he still dominate, it's a little bit of, of, of Josh Allen's kryptonite uh, in those situations. But Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, Cam Taylor-Brett, the rookie, second-round pick. Um, Dax Hill at times, who had some costly penalties in the game. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post,
0: in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one
1: hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org.
0: It's the Smucker's Uncrustables podcast with your host, Uncrustables. Okay, today's guest is rough around the edges. Please welcome Crust. Thanks for having me. Today's topic, he's round with soft pillowy bread. Hey. Filled with delicious PB&J. Are you talking about yourself? And you can take them anywhere. Why'd you invite? And we are out of time. Are you really cutting me off? Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, Crust.
1: I'm interested to see them keep up with Stephon Diggs. Um, We saw the Bills also drive down the field early in that game. They go for it there in a lot of other situations, but wanted to take a quick three points and to kind of regroup. And hopefully the second half of Cole Beasley, because it's been rough, um, but he did figure it out in the second half. They did start at the last possible minute to get on the same page uh, to the point where I was like, just give all the targets to Shakir because I, I just don't think they should be going to Cole Beasley anymore. But they did get on the same page. They did figure out that that quick little rubber route, uh, and they, they finally uh, got a couple of big plays off of it. So I don't think that this is just some some lock in and shoot out either. I do think that there could be some defense being played, uh, as we talked about, without those short fields the game would have been pretty defensive last week. So um, the nine minutes aside that everyone's pointing to in that Bengals bills game where it was seven to three inch in Cincinnati in a drive and a half for Cincinnati one drive for the bills um, that goes completely differently in every single game of the year by both teams. So I don't think you can take a single thing. McDermott said you can't take anything from it, whether he's lying or not. I don't know. Uh, but he said, there's really nothing there that you can take. And he doesn't think either way from that specific nine minute stretch. Uh, with, with that being said, I, I think there's pl- plus, uh, plus, matchups all over the field. Uh, the Bengals are generally a really good team at home. They struggle more on the road. I've heard that. Uh, and I once asked Bengals, a Bengals space that uh, I was in, uh, with maybe a hundred Bengals fans or roughly and That's that, gutty of you, man. Yeah. I, I felt like jumping in to see the, 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 the reaction. I asked them where they think their team is weak and I think I could give a pretty good answer. And you he said nowhere well, and they said nowhere. <laughs> I mean, they said maybe
0: because Lael L. Collins had just gotten hurt. That is it. Um, well, but- I don't know how you can not have a top 10 defense and say that you have no weaknesses anywhere. That, to me, kind of seems like arrogance from the fan base. And, I mean, Bill's Mafia is pretty – gets pretty high in themselves too. So I don't want to say it's just the Bengals thing. Maybe, too. but there's a lot of negative fans right well, now. Well, I think the like, negative things have happened because we've now made the playoffs five times in six years and we're waiting to win it all. So we're now at the stage of fandom where we're overly critical. We're, we're finding things to be critical of because we're still waiting to win a championship and we've been hurt. So we're like, oh, this is what's going to stop us this year. That's going to be what stops us this year. The Bengals are still riding that high where – they, they feel great. They feel amazing. They they can't critique their team properly because they're in that honeymoon phase where they're still fresh off the Super Bowl appearance. They think they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. They've been beating the Chiefs, so yeah, I, I get it a little bit. But yeah, the Bengals do have weaknesses. Their defense is not an elite unit. They have great defensive linemen. Uh, they have some good guys, but the Bills should be able to move the ball on them. If, if, if your defense that thinks you're going to allow 24, 27 points against the Bills, don't say you're elite. You're not. They have weaknesses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's I guess more of the point. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are kind of just predicting, um, you know. Uh, uh, Bengals turnovers like the Bills are going to just the Josh Allen's always going to just give you two to three turnovers plays many games with zero turnovers so just assume he did play against his crypto two really good back to back games um, against teams that have seen him three times that specifically scheme from that New England scheme, uh, you know, Bill Belichick and then you know, he's played twice at the end of the year on top of Miami here twice at the end of the year that have seen him multiple times in a stretch you're not going to just assume you're going to get two to three interceptions because you saw it
0: happen. It's not It's, it's not. an, it's it's an, an every week
1: thing. thing. It's sure. not. It's
0: such, it's such not. an ignorant thing to say, too, because if you also look at explosive plays, Josh Allen has far and away leads to the league in uh, certain plays like that. So, yeah, he, he throws interceptions, but that's also because he, he's aggressive and he makes way more plays than the average quarterback. It, it says something when you have as many turnovers as Josh Allen has, And yet you're still considered the second most irreplaceable player in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes. So spare me the whole, oh, Josh is just an interception machine. He makes interceptions because he throws the ball a million times and he makes a lot of aggressive throws that more often than not work out in positive plays for the Bills. So if you're going to focus on a few negative, one negative play a game, what do you do? Like you live with you live with that.
1: I'll say it's the, not, bills, yeah, it, the bills. Yeah, the bills receivers uh, looked better than the than the Bengals receiving and passing game last week. So, uh, minus the turnovers, that's a forty point blowout. And I'll still take the turnovers because I want Josh to play that way every single week. So, um, I think there's occasionally times the blitz that he that they Miami brought seven. Um, they didn't have any. They didn't have enough. It wasn't Josh's fault.
0: Like sure, he's trying to make a play. But that wasn't his fault. And, like literally, a guy gonna, came I'm on and play that way against the Bills' offense. And there was an—I thought there was something really interesting. I don't have the exact numbers on it, but we were talking about this in Cover One today. Where against the Dolphins alone this year, I think 35% of the sacks the Bills have allowed as a unit have come against Miami Dolphins in three games. And there was something about—I think fumbles and turnovers were a good. There was actually a high percentage of Josh's uh, fumbles and even interceptions came against the Miami Dolphins. So when you're going up against a cover zero, a team that's sending everybody at you, it's you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to have some turnovers, but you're also going to have some big plays as a result. Miami does that because they know they don't have any answers for the Bills offense if they just go straight up any other way. Cincinnati is not going to send a cover zero at the Bills because, yeah, they might force an interception or a fumble here or there. But then when that's not happening, they're going to allow 450-plus yards and then 30-plus points. So at the end of the day, we can talk about the, the negative plays that the Bills made, but they still scored 30 34 points, could have had 41, and had easily over 400 yards of offense. So a lot of this is just media narratives, social media uh, talking points, and just things that are getting out of control. We don't talk about – Kansas City enough when they play a close game take Houston to overtime or when they lose to the Colts we're not talking negatively about the Cincinnati Bengals when they barely be the Ravens backup quarterback or when they nearly blow a 22-point lead against the New England Patriots or how they go down 17-0 against Tampa Bay in the first half of a game or how they started uh, four and four so I know I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the heat today, Kev. I'm feeling the rant. I don't even know if I'm picking the Bills yet. Like, I might go with the Bengals in this game. But I'm just tired of these stupid things that people say that have nothing to back it up. And then they don't hold other teams to the same standards. Like, if you're going to criticize the Bills for all this crap, then you got to criticize Kansas City for the same stuff. And then you got to criticize Cincinnati. And it's picking and choosing to fit whatever bias or narrative people already have in their minds. Obviously, you and I are going to be a little slanted for the Bills. And other people, not let Bengals fans are going to be slanted for the Bengals. But at the end of the day, these are two pretty even teams.
1: Fair enough. Um, one negative loss lost Baltimore the game. They, they have Huntley, their backup quarterback. You're not going to compare him to Josh Allen, right? Like in situation. sure, one, one, one. He had more than one, by the way. He had an interception early in the game. That was a pretty... Pretty uh interesting play. Um that also cost points for them as they were driving and turned into three. Baltimore handed
0: Cincy ten points.
1: Right. So it wasn't one, it was two. And second of all, um Josh goes Superman and goes over the line if he has to go. And that's not Huntley. Um and and at the end of the game, they straight up didn't know how to run a two-minute drill inside the thirty. So Josh Allen can throw from anywhere on the field and make you pay. They they did not have a a 10 to 15-yard play in their playbook for Huntley uh, in that game. So it's just completely different. You're not getting the the highs of the passing game with the turnovers.
0: You just got the turnovers. Um, That Ravens team moved the ball on Cincinnati with a backup quarterback that is an average backup. I know some people want to say he's good. Huntley is not a good backup. He's an average backup. But Baltimore was moving the ball on Cincy with an average backup in a receiving core that was led by Demarcus Robinson as their number one, and he burnt Eli Apple. Uh, that was that was burnt toast there. And then you had Andrews who made a couple plays. And realistically, the Ravens probably should have won the game. So you, you have one fan base that is saying, making jokes about the Bills and interceptions when the the post box score numbers say the Bills would win that game 98% of the time. And then that fan base is totally overlooking the fact that that same number says they would have only won their game 33% of the time. And they were also playing a backup quarterback that was lacking weapons on their offense. So it's just, let's just put context for what it is. Both the Bills and the Bengals had not the brightest opening uh, playoff games, but none of that matters. None of
1: Um, it. The Bills will fest in one-on-one matchups, comma, 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 comma. Um, tell me one place where the Bills will win a matchup. If you can't, I, I can't take that seriously. Um, tell me one place where that's, that's false, and I'll take you seriously. Um, otherwise, once again, a no-fault Bengals fan. Like, they have no faults. Uh, must be nice uh, to not have any issues uh, going into a football game where you needed a fumble
0: to be the backup quarterback.
1: As Mike said, 33% of the time, box score, they win that game. Is was that, was that the stat?
0: Yeah, the, the number said that if you just looked at the box score mm-hmm. in how the Bengals-Ravens game played out, Cincinnati would have only won that game 33% of the time, which is – that's telling because the, the same thing said the Bills would have beaten the Dolphins 98% of the time with a similar box score. So – and, like, I, I don't want to call out all Bengals fans. I actually have some friends that are Bengals fans. I went to Ohio University, so that's central Ohio, not too far from Cincinnati, and I have some guys that I really respect um, that cheer on the Bengals, and I felt great for them when they went to the Super Bowl last year. I own a Joe Burrow Bengals jersey. Like I, I've never bought an NFL jersey for any mm-hmm. other team in my life, other than that Joe Burrow uh, Bengals jersey. Just well, you eat. covered
1: him. You have different
0: ties, though. I know. I know. I covered him in that. Like I, I knew who he was when he was a freshman in high school. But still, like the Bengals before this recent run like they they meant something to me when they drafted joe because i wanted to see joe burrow be successful and i've told you in the past before josh allen became him in 2020 i i even said at that point i would trade joe burrow the number one pick uh i would take joe burrow and swap josh allen obviously i wouldn't do that at this time but that tells you how i feel about burrow but some humility is needed and even even some of it came from the Bengals even the players prior to that Monday night game were pretty cocky in some of the things that they were saying so I don't think it's just a fan base I think it it also carries over to the team now they all everybody did the right thing after the DeMar Hamlin incident and I do think that the Bengals do have good guys on their team there's nothing wrong with being a little cocky I, I'm sure if you talk to the Bills players. on the side and just ask them about certain things, they would be cocky and they would feel uh, all good about themselves. But nothing that has happened between the bills and Bengals on that Monday night football game has anything to do with going forward. And the real bragging rights are going to be who wins uh, who's standing still at six 30 on Sunday evening. And it didn't either way. Anyways, like say that
1: the Bengals won that. It still doesn't mean this game would still be existing. It would be in Cincinnati. Say the bills won that game. They'd be the one seed playing Jacksonville, I guess. Um, So I guess they wouldn't even be matching up if the bills did pull that game off. But um, I do believe that everything went well. And um, I do have respect for all the Bengals players for how they treated the DeMar Hamlin situation. But the second that those playoff implications came out, it was not thoughts and prayers any longer. It was complaining about how they got screwed unfortunate to see the Bills fans could have complained. I didn't see much of it complaining about the one seed across the league. We could have just as easily. Um, so I don't know. I think that there's like back up what you say when like the, the right decision wasn't to finish That's that game. That's
0: a lot of social media though too, Kev, because you're seeing the, the loud minority that get the retweets and uh, the likes on certain things. And you're seeing those people that get the attention for saying outlandish stuff. I don't think that represents the majority of the Bengals fan base there's still the, the truth is that social media does not represent the majority of people in a collective group uh, it, the people that you see that are outside of your circle are going to be the loudest ones so yeah there there's some bad there's more than it was, than a few, it, was a, it was more than a record. few
1: mike it was more than a few including one in here but than- you
0: know what we could say the same thing with bill's mafia and we don't want to start that conversation we've seen stuff that bill's fans have said and done and I remember going to Bill's games when I was a kid, and we weren't the best opposing fans uh, when I went to games when I was younger. There's a reason why there was a lot of fights and drunken activities and other things. Obviously, we've cleaned up that image quite a bit amongst our fan base, but it's NFL football. You're talking about about a lot of crazy fanatics that get drunk and say crazy things. So I don't want to judge an entire fan base based on – a few, you are right. There are some bad ones out there. I want to believe that most Bengals fans are still good people and that they're a good fan base. Uh, but definitely, the loud vocal ones have said some, some pretty crazy, borderline intolerable st- stuff over the past week.
1: Yeah, uh Clifford Mail, uh thank you so much for uh the super chat. We really appreciate you. He says you're right, Mike. Bills were sloppy Sunday in a vacuum. I don't care. It's O and 3 p.m. this Sunday. Either team can prevail. I like Allen as the guy Sunday. Like the, I like I like the um positivity there. Absolutely. I mean, you're completely right. In a vacuum, it there's still zero. It's still O O going this game both ways. Both teams are O and O on a one a uh, one week basis. It's week to week officially. We say it every week, but it is in week-to-week tournament mode, it doesn't really matter. We talk about the DVOA. We talk about some advanced statistics. We talk about a lot of different things. Um, But it's still week-to-week from this stage forward uh, as we approach the the, really the end of the season. Final eight, probably for the most part, the top eight teams are left or close to it. Maybe at least top five to six are still in there. Um, And next week, you're going to see, I don't know that you're going to see any huge upsets. You're going to see the top four teams uh, and will it be the bills or the bengals to represent as the final afc opponent figuring the chiefs are the other one in this division and maybe the 49ers and um, eagles are and well will we see any upsets this week and we see any row teams win i'm not a hundred percent sure uh going forward we could see Two or three, we could see zero. Uh, so it's going to be definitely an interesting week. We really appreciate everybody tuning in for 90 minutes of this show. Some great debates. Uh, we talked about the Miami game to start the show. We got into some DVOA metrics here in the middle of the show. If you want to, if uh, for anyone listening, uh, please smash the like button, please, please, please. Five-star reviews. That means so much to us. Comment about what you think is going to happen in this game. Uh, and really looking forward to the results. Um, Mike, time for score predictions as we get out of here. It is time. You said you weren't sure what you're going to do yet. You got to be sure now. Bouncing the ball over to you to give us your prediction for Sunday at three o'clock.
0: Kev, I I don't want to do this. I don't I don't want to make a pick right now. Um, I'm doing this against uh, my better judgment. So I I just want to preface it. Right now, the Bills are currently five point favorites. Uh, I I don't know if you know the the total, the over under. I think someone at work told me it was about 49 49 is an interesting over under if that's the case and you got bills as a five point favorite because that's indicating a 27 22 game Mm -hmm. and I don't think any of us feel like that's going to be the case in this contest so Mm -hmm. what is Vegas seeing that has them have this such a low scoring game is it the weather is it the Bengals being banged up on their offensive line the metrics, obviously, we, we know what the metrics say. We understand why they would give the Bills a slight advantage. I know I have been calling out all the Bengals fans and stuff like that on this show, but I, I have a philosophy on, on these, uh, these big playoff games. When I'm really scared, I pick against the Bills. And the reason why I picked against the Bills is because I'm afraid of being heartbroken. I don't want to go all in, pick the Bills, and then feel let down. So I'm not a gambling man, but if I was a gambling man, what I always tell people in these scenarios is if you want to be happy at the end of the day on Sunday, put all of your money on Cincinnati because if, since he loses, you're going to be happy that the Bills won. But if Cincy wins, you're at least going to have some money at the end of the day. So with that horrible philosophy in mind, I'm going to pick the Bengals 27-24. I'm not proud. Um, I, okay. I really think this is a coin flip game that could go either way. My biggest fear is that Joe Burrow, I believe he's a smarter quarterback than Josh Allen. So I'm afraid if Josh makes that one mistake, that could be the mistake that decides the game.
1: There you go, Bengals fans. You got into Mike's head. Um, Chance of Jonah Williams playing Sunday doesn't look good with a dislocated kneecap called week to week. Um, So I would say not good at all. Like, I guess, I don't know if there's some world I'll ask later to some doctors I know what they think of a dislocated kneecap and playing. um,
0: He did play uh, through it the last time it happened. Interesting. He had this happen early in the year, and he was able to play the next week. Will we play this week? It doesn't seem like it. I, I, I do want to point out, Kevin, I think I only picked against the Bills maybe once this year, and that was at Kansas City, and they won the game. So look at this as me taking the fall for the greater good of the Buffalo Bills and their fans. So don't come killing at me saying Mike's an idiot. Mike's not loyal. Mike hates the Bills. I'm just a scared, insecure Bills fan right now that's afraid of being hurt. And that 152 heartbeat on Sunday will be a 175 heartbeat if it's a close game and the Bengals have the ball with a chance to win with a touchdown in the final drive. So I'm just trying to – Yes, reverse psychology. I'm just trying to prevent myself from dying this weekend. Uh, so just pray for me, pray for for my survival, and that the Bills go on and win. It's going to be the same thing next week. So uh, let's just hope for the best.
1: Yeah, uh, my turn. I'm going to get rid of that negativity right away. Thirty to twenty, Buffalo win. It's going on the over. Um, I don't think he's going to turn the ball over three times. I think he will get one Josh Allen turnover, and that's it. I don't think it'll be enough. Uh, it's not going to be a 98-yard fumble return as the uh, the Ravens were going into to take the lead and and really take a commanding position in the fourth quarter. That's not where it's going to come. It's going to be just a standard tipped interception or something that shouldn't hurt the Bills too much. One one turnover a piece in this game, in my opinion. Um, it's not going to be anything drastic. I think the Bills get after it and they get four sacks of Burrow. They're not going to be able to run the ball very much, and Chase will have an early um, an early touchdown on the Bills as well. Thirty to twenty hitting the over Buffalo 30 to win 20. Yeah. Cat, 30 to that's, 20. A,
0: that's a 10 point win there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's my prediction. 50 I'm 50. So I'm hitting the over. It's the 48 point spread uh, in Buffalo. I think will come down to it. I think that that will come with a late field goal by Buffalo to get a two possession lead late in the game um, to, to secure the victory. And then they're going to have a drive where you're not overly concerned at that point. Um and Cliff, appreciate no. you c- continuing to come in. I don't know if um, he's
0: talking about my personality or if he's talking about this stuff right here, because there is some dough. I'm not going to lie. Like I am I might be a little bit doughy, so I'm not going to debate with you, Cliff. I do appreciate the $2 super chat, though. Uh, uh, anybody's going to call me a little bit thick, I will accept donations uh, if you want to. Uh, my grandmother told me I'm a little thick in the face, so I do not mind uh, being told that. uh but you know, it's not too bad overall. It's just, it's the angle of the laptop, everything. It, it's a little misleading, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's good. Good verse. We'll see next week, next Tuesday at seven o'clock here on the going deep podcast. Let's give Mike some mercy either. I'm right. Or he is. Um, and, uh, we're going to definitely go into, um, um, going to this next week here at seven o'clock on the going deep podcast, but I love the discourse. Love the chats. Appreciate everybody on the super chats. we got the film room coming up now with Eric Turner breaking down the game. Uh, great as always at nine o'clock. So we're going to get out of here and tune you into that. Some more film study. If you want to see these games broken down in more in depth, check out the film room coming up here shortly. But we really appreciate everyone on this special edition, seven o'clock Tuesday. Next week, we'll be back at you. Please hit the like button that helps us make content. As always, we appreciate the lively chat. And we're looking forward to some content all weekend long, going live at certain times, recaps, cover one film rooms, um, air eight hour recap show as well. And the great content and gambling content as well written on the cover one website. But from Kevin Misery, Mike Bunt, this is the going deep podcast. We'll catch you right here next week at seven to recap this game that everyone's anticipating for maybe finally the game of the year. Catch you guys next week. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. Me talking about the Bills. What else would you rather be
0: doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. A deep down and it's five, 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 right now, I just want to talk
1: about this championship. Well, I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about.
0: I want to focus some more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. Touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. For action.
1: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.